0: Hey people, welcome once again to Steve-O's Music News, and here we go. It's a Sunday, the 13th of December, and I believe we are on our 11th episode to this point. Uh, We're going basically once a week. I am your host, Steve Orchard, giving you another batch of music news for you for today, and I want to jump right in and talk about a couple of recent passings, and this one here was... From yesterday, and uh, Charlie Pride, country legend, passed away at the age of 86. And it was only a month ago that Charlie appeared on the CMAs. I believe he was getting an award, but he also came on and uh, sang probably the biggest song that he ever had Kiss an Angel, Good Morning. Uh, and again, like I said, this is only I think on the 11th of November, so he sang that song. And uh, then here we get the news yesterday that he passes away. Apparently, he must have got sick fairly quick. I mean, I watched him on the CMAs; he did did look rather frail, but he wasn't sick at that point. And he did die apparently from the COVID nineteen. Kiss an angel. Good morning. His biggest single was number one for five weeks in nineteen seventy one. It crossed over to hit number twenty one on the Billboard Pop charts. It was the only song that he would have to make billboard's top 40 country uh i'm sorry top 40 pop charts as far as the numbers go though he had 60 top 40 hits 52 of those made the top 10 29 went to number 1 some of the other biggies i'm just me spent 4 weeks at number 1 in 1971 afraid of losing you again hit number 1 for 3 weeks in 69 it's going to take a little bit longer. That was also three weeks at number one in 72. And She's Too Good To Be True had three weeks at the top in 1972. Kiss an Angel Good Morning also won a Grammy for Best Country Song. And again, as far as the singles go, you uh, you really can't uh, argue the, the chart success for him with uh, all of the 29 number one singles. And again passing away yesterday of COVID-19 at the age of 86, and yesterday, if you're listening to this later, that would have been on December 12th. Now, four days before that, it would be the anniversary of John Lennon's passing, and while a lot of people are, you've probably heard so many of the same things about John Lennon passing away, I want to come at it from a little bit of a different angle, because Uh, American top 40 had to do some scrambling when Lennon passed away. And I'm going to tell you why here. Now it was 40 years ago on the 8th of December. A lot of us were watching the Monday night football game between the Patriots and the Dolphins when Howard Cosell gave the shocking news to the USA. You can actually look that up and find out exactly how Howard did it. You can go right over to YouTube But what else is interesting about this? Five to six days later on American Top 40, Casey Kasem gave one of his greatest tributes ever on many of the show's affiliates. It happened right before Casey played his song Just Like Starting Over, which was at number four on that week's chart. Now, his heartwarming tribute climaxed one of the most hectic days in the history of AT-40's then-parent company, Watermark. On the day after Lennon was murdered, so that would have been Tuesday, December 9th, Watermark knew that changes had to be made in the show that had already been recorded and sent out to affiliates. Uh, The original vinyl records of that December 13th, 1980 show included a feature in Hour 1 about posthumous top 40 hits. In Hour 4, there was a very upbeat intro and outro by Casey to starting over. I mean, after all, when the show was being originally taped, John Lennon was still alive. Fortunately, the two segments that needed to be changed were on opposite sides of the same vinyl record. So, a new emergency replacement record was quickly made, The posthumous Top 40 Hits feature was edited out on side one, including the tease. And then on the other side, Casey's upbeat intro and outro were replaced by the tribute. Then the emergency replacement disc was overnighted to all of the affiliate stations. Not all of them got it. There was one station in Cleveland that wound up playing the original version of the show. What was interesting, too, almost forgotten in all of the rush was the fact that Lady by Kenny Rogers was number one for its fifth of six weeks. So for me, personally, Lennon's top five songs, number nine, Dream, came out in 75. That actually peaked at number nine. Uh, That's my favorite Lennon song. Woman came off of the uh, Double Fantasy album. That would be my second... Just like Starting Over, the song that we're talking about, that went to number one. Uh, I'm going to tell you a little more about that. Mind Games from 73 is uh, my fourth favorite. And then later on, a posthumous single called Nobody Told Me, which uh, reached number five in 84. That would be my fifth song. All of this going on, Lennon had made a comeback. It had been like five years since he had uh, put an album out. That would have been the Rock and Roll album, a covers album back in 1975. Double Fantasy would spend eight weeks at number one, sell three million copies, and win the Grammy for the album of the year. And as I mentioned, it came out, uh, what did I say, five years? Well, you know what? Let me correct myself. It was almost six years after that covers album called Rock and Roll came out. And again, uh, boy, it's hard to believe that is uh, 40 years ago, uh, just uh, the past Monday, December 8th. All right, so who remembers the band called Firefall? Well, they are back in a somewhat truncated form, but I'll tell you what, they're back with at least three of the original members in that band. That would include guitarist and founder Jock Bartley. Mark Andes, the bass player, he was actually in Spirit and JoJo Gun, And then... uh, He was with Firefall through most of the hit-making years. Ended up going on to play bass with Hart. He's been back in the band again. And a keyboardist by the name of David Muse, they are all together. They have a new album coming out on the 21st called Comet. Okay, so right away people are saying, wait a minute. What about Rick Roberts? What about the original singer? There is no Rick Roberts, but... In fact, there's no Larry Burnett. That was another one of the uh, members. But Rick uh, Roberts was the original singer. And some people are like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's going on here? Well, they have a good answer about it. On their Facebook page there have been people that have been asking about Rick Roberts. And they said his health is not the greatest. He is not in the band. He can't sing or perform up to his own standards. So other than three to four shows that he's done. He actually did some shows with uh, Larry Burnett. But other than that, um, he's pretty much retired. They say it is what it is, but many reviewers and interviewers are saying that this new record, Comet, really stands up and sounds like the best Firefall albums of the 70s. Uh, They want you to give it a shot. They do miss Rick. They do miss Larry. I'm thinking if he was fine, They'd welcome him at a show. In fact, they say they honor him at every show they play, but those guys aren't really up to performing these days. All right, so a little bit of backstory on Firefall. The first album that came out in 1976 reached number 28, sold a million copies, 67 weeks on Billboard's album charts. And it featured three singles. Livin' Ain't Livin' came out first. If I'm not mistaken, it got to like number 42. They followed that with their biggest single ever, You Are the Woman, got to number nine. And then uh, in the spring of 1977, they had a single called Cinderella, which uh, was a song that didn't break the top 30, but it was around number 32, number 33. That one I didn't write the uh, numbers down. I think it was right about 32. Uh, Later in the year in 77, Lunacy came out. That was a gold album. Uh, The debut album went platinum, so then they took a little bit of a dip. That album, Luna C, featured their number 11 single, Just Remember I Love You. And then, in late 78, their Elan album came out. That returned them to their platinum-selling ways. It got to number 27, featured the number 11 single called Strange Way, and a second single that just missed the top 40, called Goodbye, I Love You, always reminded me a little bit of Just Remember, I Love You. I got to see them at California State Fair in 1980. They were working their Undertow album at the time. That album didn't go gold, didn't even go platinum, did feature a single called Headed for a Fall, which got to about number 35, and then they had three additional charting albums after that, but their uh, their commercial days were pretty much behind them. Comet is coming out on December 21st. This is the first album that they have done since 1998. when They had an album called Messenger. They think that it is kind of reminiscent of their 1976 self-titled debut. And they're aware of their legacy status. It came from their 70s hits and with three original members remaining they have crafted a new record that they say is one-half legacy, one-half brand-new renditions of Firefall with, well, some tastes of Americana, rock, pop, and country to go with that. Frontman Jock Bartley told American Songwriter, quote, I knew going in that about half of the record really needed to sound kind of like the 70s Firefall, because, of course, if every song sounded like 70s Firefall, you know people would be saying, Ah, They haven't evolved at all. They sound just like they used to. But you know what? You're going to have naysayers no matter what you do. Accounting for the Country Style on Comet is a younger collaboration with Nashville celebrated songwriter Gary Burr. And uh, closing up the Firefall story is a remake of the spirit song from 1970 called Nature's Way. Firefall remake features Timothy B. Schmidt of the Eagles and John McPhee of the Doobie Brothers. The song was consistently one that Firefall had included in their 45 uh, 45 minute live set over the years. and that's because, as I mentioned, bass player Mark Andes had been in spirit. Uh, he reconceptualized that song and, you know, promised to revive the original success. So again, the album Comet will intertwine classic Firefall with new experimentation. It's just the beginning, apparently, according to Bartley. He says, quote, a lot of the industry is not so much albums, but putting out singles. I'm writing all of the time, and once the dust settles after this record, and we hopefully get a chance to tour for gigs that are scheduled for 2021, I think that uh, Firefall will have another new album, or at least some singles in the future, because you always have to grow. Take note. If you want to check that out, they uh, they are back. In fact, they're, they're single. They've got a single to go out, that goes out. Does a little bit of name dropping from uh, artists and uh, song titles from the 60s. It's called Way Back When. But again, Comet is out on December 21st. I'm actually kind of looking forward to hearing that. And it's on some of the usual platforms that you can... Uh, You can look into right there well they're starting to uh release year-end listings and countdowns and things and people magazine has gone ahead and already named their top 10 albums of 2020 so here is a complete list for you number 10 and and a couple of these i may i hope i i hope i get these right but uh some of these are even a little bit unfamiliar to me pappy wonko By Maluma, coming in at number 10. Country singer Cam, number 9, with The Other Side. The Weeknd, going to be lined up for a Super Bowl performance in February. Album called After Hours came in at number 8. Fiona Apple with Fetch the Bolt Cutters, number 7. Miley Cyrus with Plastic Hearts is number 6. Selena Gomez and her album Rare, the fifth biggest album of the year, according to People. Chloe times Hallie, and that's one I, I hope I said right, album title Ungodly Hour at number four. Lady Gaga has number three album, according to People, with Chromatica. Taylor Swift with Folklore is number two, and Dua Lipa, number one, with Future Nostalgia. And again, those are the top 10 albums of the year, according to People. So, I mentioned Taylor Swift in there right now. Uh, On Friday, December 11th, she had taken to social media to say, I'm elated to tell you that my ninth studio album and Folklore Sister Record will be out tonight at midnight Eastern. It is called Evermore. All right, so Taylor released Folklore earlier this year. That was back in July. And when it came to creating Evermore, her message to fans was, to put it plainly, we just couldn't stop writing songs. To try and put it more poetically, it feels like we were standing on the edge of the folklorian woods and had a choice to turn and go back or to travel further into the forest of the music. We chose to wander deeper in. Taylor admits that this would be her first sequel to an album of hers, going on to say that, I've never done an album like this before. In the past, I've always treated albums as one-off eras and moved on to planning the next one after an album was released. There was something different with folklore and in making it, I felt less like I was departing and more like I was returning. Taylor also credited her fans with accepting the songs that she creates and That allowed her to delve deeper into this creative landscape, saying, I loved the escapism I found in these imaginary or maybe not so imaginary tales. I loved the ways you welcome the dreamscapes and tragedies and the epic tales of love lost and found into your lives, so I just kept writing them. Taylor finished her message by mentioning the people who helped her with Evermore, saying, I love creating these songs with Aaron Dessner Jack Antonoff, Warner Brothers, and Justin Vernon. We've also welcomed some new and longtime friends to our musical kitchen, the musical kitchen table, she said, this time around. Also, by the way, we'll send out a birthday greeting to Taylor Swift, turning 31 today. All right. And a couple of country notes for you right now. Thomas Rhett, he's like most dads, Wants his kids to have a good time at Christmas and during the holiday season, but he also wants to make sure that the meaning of Christmas is not lost on them. Thomas says, I do think there's a lot of us that really just look at Christmas in the wrong light. And so, yeah, we definitely want to get them what they want and get their gifts and talk about Santa Claus and all of that kind of mess. But I really, from a young age, would love to try to ingrain in their heads like, what Christmas is truly all about. He adds that we say that, but then all we really think about is the gift giving. You know, I know a lot of families that don't even do gifts anymore and literally they go out and they like serve on Christmas day. In theory, that sounds super cool. I'd hope that we can, as a family, get to a point where that is what Christmas is to our family rather than all of that other stuff. Also, Dirk Spentley, if you're a fan, he just released the video for his new single called Gone. He did that uh, just a few days ago on Thursday. It's kind of funny. The clip features performances, commercial parodies, and scenes inspired by some of his favorite shows, including The Office, MacGyver, Game of Thrones, and even Full House. He told people it's just something that always ends poorly for me. In this video, I definitely had a lot more fun making it than it looks, though. Uh, I believe you can get a back screen look. Or I see back screen, backstage kind of look. There is a uh, official music video out there for that, and I'm guessing that all you need to do is uh, run a search of uh, Google or YouTube, and you'll you'll be good to go on that. So again, that video for Gone uh, just came out there on Thursday. I think that was the 7th day of December. All right, so as I get ready to wrap things up for this episode today, uh, something in history to tell you about. This day, December 13th, 1970, there was a song called Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head that hit number one on the adult contemporary charts. It would stay there for seven weeks... It was just getting warmed up. Raindrops became the first number one pop single of the 1970s. It stayed at the top for four weeks. It became the number four song of 1970, and it won the Oscar for top movie song. It was was, uh, recorded by B.J. Thomas, who did not want to record it. Now, there's a story that's gone around for a long time. It wasn't really that he didn't want to record it, He had been suffering from laryngitis and was under strict orders to not use his voice at all for a couple of weeks. So after much pleading and some medication to lubricate his throat, B.J. made it through five takes for the version of the song that would make it onto the soundtrack of the movie. It came from Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. That movie starred Paul Newman and Robert Redford. And then, a couple of weeks later... BJ recorded the studio version of the song. The legendary songwriting team of Burt Bacharach and Hal David wrote that song. So together, Bacharach and David have written 55 top 40 hits. 23 of them made the top 10, three hit number one. The other two chart toppers for the David Bacharach team were Close to You by The Carpenters and This Guy's In Love With You by Herb Alpert. Meanwhile, B.J. Thomas had over two dozen pop and adult contemporary hits with a second number one in 1975 called Hey, Won't You Play Another Somebody Done, Somebody Wrong Song, which has the distinction of the number one song with the longest title ever. And also one more note to add about B.J. Thomas. He also went on to have a long line of country hits, several number ones, and those happened in the 80s. So yeah, a little bit of music history for you today. That happened again this date, December 13th in 1970. All right. And just like that, it looks like we are at the end of another edition of Steve-O's Music News. Uh, next week, looking forward to bringing back a friend of mine. We had him on uh it might have been the second episode we did, Jerry Ham. We're getting to the end of the year, which means we have reissues, and especially for Christmas and the buying season, we have reissues and new titles to talk about. Some that will stretch into 2021. Jerry is always—I uh, always like to say—he's got his finger on the pulse of the uh, of the uh, rock and roll world. He's a rocker. He's got everything down. Uh, anything that's coming out as far as reissues and things like that go. He'll uh, talk about that. He'll be able to give you some additional uh, titles and gift-giving ideas right before we uh, get into Christmas, or if not, these are things that you can maybe, hey, use that Christmas bonus that you got, and uh, so again, uh, that'll be on, uh, I believe, episode 12. We're going to do that next weekend sometime again, today being the uh, 13th day, as I shuffle my papers here, the 13th day of December. For episode number 11. Hey, don't forget, you can catch me on Frog Country 101.5 Monday through Friday, generally 2 p.m. to 7 p.m. country format. And also, don't forget about Steve-O's Forgotten 45s Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 7.45 a.m. on WHTO Radio 106.7 The Mountain. We are always streaming whtoradio.com and also wjnrradio.com. If you're out of the country, you may find that you're going to have a hard time streaming those, but here in the United States, you will be able to do that. So there you go. Once again, wrapping things up, Steve-O's Music News. We'll catch you again next week. Thanks again for your support. Thanks again for listening. I'll catch you again next week right here on Steve-O's Music News.